the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. As we've watched the current shelter-in-place order and the impact of COVID-19 impact virtually every aspect of American life, I wonder if you thought for a moment about what happens to people that have a lot less to begin with? Namely, what happens to people that were already facing difficult financial challenges leading into this crisis, maybe up to and including being homeless, dealing with drug addiction and substance abuse? Well, some insights towards that impact as we're joined by Reverend John Anderson, the executive director of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. And um, John, I would imagine for those of us that are frustrated having to shelter in place, are probably the envy of those that have no place typically to call home. Craig, it's really true. The impact of the coronavirus has been really significant among the homeless and desperately needy. Many of the people that come to the Bay Area Rescue Mission looking for a meal, to spend a night in our emergency shelter, or even for the people who are near homeless in our community, that may well have uh, an inexpensive apartment or, or a little house that they're renting someplace, are being almost doubly impacted by the effects of uh, most of the jobs that they were holding or trying to struggle with are gone. And so we're seeing a great increase in the number of people that are coming to the rescue mission in great need. You know, the surprising thing is that even in spite of the phenomenal numbers that we had seen on Wall Street and the lowest unemployment numbers, uh, certainly in the last 50 years, up to March of this year, um, we have returned back to not just the times of the Great Recession, but arguably this could even be worse. It's just perhaps too early to tell. But one thing we certainly know, and that is that as America eventually gets back to business and work once again, it's going to be a very different place. And there will be some people that were perhaps gainfully employed in January and February of this year who no longer have a job and no prospects of any, putting more downward pressure on the entire ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission because all of this translates into a major spike in the need for ministry services, everything from emergency housing to certainly providing meals for the hungry and homeless. Let's talk about that for a moment. Before we came on air today, you mentioned to me that over the course of just the last month, less than 30 days in fact, the Bay Area Rescue Mission has more than doubled the output of meals being provided. That's a pretty significant increase. Well, it is, Craig. And when you consider that the mission uh, traditionally in our dining room alone, not counting the food baskets that we hand out or food banks to the people in the community, but in our dining room alone, uh, typically we're preparing and serving in the neighborhood of fifteen to 20,000 meals each and every month. But in the last month now, that number has doubled. So the increase in expenses that we're experiencing 
uh, basically increased by $30,000 each month just to provide the extra meals that are needed in our dining room, not to mention the uh, many thousands more to go out through our food pantry to those people who are near homeless in our community. I would imagine, too, that there's been a major shift in how the Bay Area Rescue Mission engages in ministry because you have the shelter-in-place orders, because you have to deal with addressing the individuals that perhaps normally volunteer, and you have hundreds of volunteers from churches across the Bay Area every month that give their time to the Bay Area Rescue Mission. A lot of those folks perhaps not only under shelter-in-place orders, but perhaps also in certain health categories that put them in high risk and therefore not able to come and volunteer at all. All of this has got to make what you are doing right now not only so critically important, but very challenging. It has, and it does as well, Craig. You know, on a weekly basis, every week at the Bay Area Rescue Mission, prior to the uh, coronavirus uh, pandemic outbreak, we were averaging 250 volunteers every week, and those volunteers contributed 400 hours of service uh, to help us do the ministry that we're doing. Since the outbreak of the virus, uh, we basically trying to uh, follow the orders and ordinances of the Bay Area County's Health and Services Department have suspended the use of all volunteers. So it's like 10 full-time employees that we weren't paying that are gone uh, during this time. In addition, about 40% of our staff are either above 65 years of age or have some pre-existing health conditions that would put them in a high-risk category. So some of those people are working from home, doing ministry and counseling, but uh, a lot of them, you know, it's just uh, things like housekeeping and preparing meals and serving and teaching Bible studies and doing chapel services that uh, we're really scrambling just to... uh, do the basics to get by with the 60% of staff that is still left working at the mission, and yet the number of people coming in for help and hope has dramatically increased. So a lot of stress on resources, both human and financial, at a time when there is such a significant uptick in the need. And of course, along with this, to keep it in perspective, um, there's been some good news in that the response of people that have been attending chapel over the last month, I understand, uh, in fact, just since the beginning of April, has been incredible, especially so for those who, in the midst of this crisis, perhaps evaluating their own life, have made a decision for Christ. Tell us more about that. Well, while the number of people attending chapel has remained pretty constant, uh, uh, for the last 12 months, during the last month, uh, especially since the 1st of April, the number of people accepting Jesus Christ as their Savior at the chapel, at the Bay Area Rescue Mission, has dramatically increased. Uh, and since the 1st of April, we've had more than 225 men and women who have accepted Christ as their Savior As, like you said, people are concerned. They're looking at their own destiny and deciding that, you know, God is using this to to wake them up, to help them to see their desperate need for Christ as their Savior. 
Let's talk specifics here, John. I know that normally when we spend time together during the Thanksgiving and Christmas season, we're talking about providing extra meals for needy families, an uptick in people that need shelter during the inclement weather of the San Francisco Bay Area, and wanting to certainly make people's holidays a bit brighter by providing meals for needy families and individuals, as well as providing toys for needy kids at Christmas time. This is not Christmas time. This is just sort of the, the normal cycle of the year for the Bay Area Rescue Mission with a significant increase on need and certainly a significant challenge in relationship to resources, both human and financial. Uh, let's talk a bit about how we can make a difference during this critical and unexpected need. Um, I would imagine both prayer and financial support is really going to be very, very important to the Bay Area Rescue Mission at this time. It is indeed, Craig. Yeah, no one really plans uh, uh, financially, budget-wise, uh, in an organization like a rescue mission for such a pandemic-type uh, event that has so many impacts, uh, losing volunteers, losing staff, uh, the increased expense of meals, uh, the increased expense of just keeping the facilities super clean. We, we basically went from sanitizing everything once a day to doing it three and sometimes four times a day. The expense of providing uh, what the county has mandated now, uh, reasonably, I think, for providing uh, face, mouth, and nose masks for everyone that walks through our doors. That, that's staff and program members, as well as those coming in for short-term emergency shelter. And, and even just to receive meals, everyone receives a mask. And when you add up all of those things, that's a lot of funds that we just really didn't plan for in our budget for this year. But yet we have to do it because we're committed to sharing the gospel with everyone who's in need and to stay in compliance with the county regulations and local regulations and state regulations. Uh, we have to do those things to keep people safe. And that, that's what we want to do as well. We so often talk about the ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission being that of life and death. And at this time in particular, those words were never truer. Right now, the Bay Area Rescue Mission needs your help. Extra donations to purchase face masks, hand sanitizer, and food to provide all of those extra meals John Anderson spoke about a moment ago, more than double the normal monthly output. Go online right now to bayarearescue.org and make your donation. Please help to provide meals and shelter, but most importantly, the hope of the gospel, especially at this time. These times, of course, are desperate and the needs are great, yet the power of Jesus Christ is even greater. Please make as generous a donation as you can today. Simply go to bayarearescue.org and click on the Donate Now button. That's bayarearescue.org and click on the Donate Now button. John, I know that these are uncertain times right now and moving ahead. We don't know how fluid the situation is going to be in terms of things changing. I guess the one thing that's constant here is the opportunity to really impact the Bay Area for Christ through the work and ministry of the Bay Area Rescue Mission. Well, it is indeed, Craig, and that's why uh, just as important as financial donations, I want to encourage our listeners to be in prayer for the homeless, for the desperately needy, as well as the staff that is working in these, uh, shall we say, challenging, if not dangerous, uh, situations 
uh, that we're in even today. You know, it was just uh, a few days ago that we learned of a major outbreak in a sheltered-like facility in the city of San Francisco. And, you know, I'm not saying that it couldn't happen or that it might not happen, even at the Bay Area Rescue Mission. But I will say this, giving God all the uh, praise and honor and glory, that uh, even though we have sent 40 people out to be tested that had some of the symptoms for the coronavirus that were staying at the mission, that uh, none of the people sent out from the Bay Area Rescue Mission to this point have tested positive. So we do feel the prayers of God's people and uh, God's protecting hand. Again, now is an opportunity to stand with the Bay Area Rescue Mission as it needs extra donations to purchase things like face masks, hand sanitizer, and to provide the resources to keep all of those extra meals flowing for everyone that needs one. Go to bayarearescue.org and make your donation right now. Please help provide meals and shelter, and most importantly, the hope of the gospel. Times are indeed desperate, the needs are great, and yet the power of Christ is even greater. Make that donation today. Go to bayarearescue.org and click on the Donate Now button. That's bayarearescue.org. Isn't it great to know that in the midst of all these challenges, God is still in control? Reverend John Anderson with the Bay Area Rescue Mission online at bayarearescue.org. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Which Jesus do you choose to follow? Is it the Jesus that says simply, believe in me and I will bring you health, wealth, material blessings, personal empowerment, and ask nothing in return? Or is it the Jesus that says, come, take up your cross and follow me. In return, you will be despised by man, hated for my namesake, and as you lose your life for me, you will gain it. The former certainly looks nothing like the latter. In many respects, the former is largely a product of man's own imagination and sinful nature. The latter, though, looks much more like the actual, genuine Jesus we see of the Bible. My guest today helps take us deeper into understanding this genuine Jesus. He is the founding pastor of Cornerstone Church of Simi Valley, currently planting a church right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's the author of a number of best-selling books, including Crazy Love, Forgotten God, and host of the Basic Series. He is a pastor, teacher, speaker, but probably would rather the title Disciple best. He's Francis Chan. And Francis, great to have you on the program today. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about this Jesus, the, the one that oftentimes tends to sort of appeal to man's sin nature, this notion that somehow if we just uh, believe in God, he's going to magically give us all of this material blessing. And certainly I want to be clear that, that God does wish us to prosper in many regards, even as our soul prospers. And yet there seems to be a, a, a major dichotomy, a major chasm between the Jesus of the Bible and the Jesus that unfortunately a lot of Christians pretend to follow today. Yeah, it's, it's interesting to me, because I don't see how anyone would come to that conclusion if they just read the scriptures on their own. It's so hard for me to imagine someone reading through the book of Matthew, or Mark, or Luke, or John, and 
and coming to this conclusion that, oh, what Jesus is saying is if I follow him, what, life's going to be easy, I won't get sick anymore, I'll, I'll be rich, um, you, you know, uh, I, I just have to pray this prayer and suddenly everything magically changes. I, I don't see how anyone would come to that conclusion if they read the scriptures on their own. And maybe therein lies the real key, that to the greatest degree there is so much ignorance uh, of who the God of the Bible is, who Jesus of the Bible is. Uh, Yeah, I I think people are taking other people's word for it. I I think it's similar to what Paul uh, says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 about how people will try to find these teachers that will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. So rather than studying the scriptures for themselves, they'll say, hey, can I... I need to find a teacher that will tell me that, yeah, I'm going to become rich or uh, that this isn't going to be a life of struggle. Um, basically, the health, wealth, prosperity gospel. And, of course, uh, Christ is very clear that he did not come to tell us what we wanted to hear, but rather what we needed to hear. Yeah, yeah. I, I, and it seems like Jesus dealt with that problem back then, too, of just making sure people understood. He goes, look, listen, I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Um, this isn't going to be easy. There's going to be your own family members that will be against you for following me. So much of your ministry, Francis, is focused on helping people get to know in a very real, deep, personal way this authentic Jesus. And I'm, I'm wondering if in, in the time that you've, you've studied church life today and, and many of the challenges that are facing the Church, the body of Christ, if perhaps at certain levels part of this misconception as to who Jesus is, is maybe because at certain levels the Church has made the Gospel more complicated than it should be? Yeah, I I think so. I think in some ways we've complicated it, but I I think it's more been an issue of want and desire. Um, In other words, people... uh, want the gospel to be a certain thing. Um, you know, like when you, you, you look at the book of Mark, you see that uh, uh, people are constantly wanting to come to Jesus on their terms, and Jesus is always adamantly against that. And, you know, he re-explained, no, no, this is what it really means. This is what it means to follow me. And I, I don't know that we complicated it, uh, purposefully, it was more that we had certain desires, uh, what we would like the good news to be, and so therefore we've twisted certain things or, or overemphasized certain passages to the exclusion of others. And of course, in doing so, then we end up distorting not only the true meaning of, of what the gospel is, but then too, I would imagine, the true meaning of what, what church is. Uh, oftentimes, it, it seems as if we're, we're out there trying to have an event called church, as opposed yeah. to experiencing a God who wants to have a relationship. Exactly. Yeah, well, I, I think in some ways we've complicated things, and in some ways we've oversimplified them. Um, but again, it, it comes down to our, our sinful desire. Often. How do we begin to help the Church understand the need to, to create this paradigm shift? You talk a lot about this, not only in your books, but in the new basic video series, this notion that that God is calling upon us to build His church as opposed to build a church. And, and can you maybe, for the sake of our listeners, uh, Francis, define the difference between the two? Yeah, I, 
I mean, the, I think the greatest thing we can do for people is to beg them to read the Bible for themselves, teach them how to read the Bible for themselves, um, and let them discover for themselves what the church was like, uh, what Christ was like, what he actually said, um, to kind of erase a lot of these preconceived notions. Um, you know, because we, we've kind of defined church as a building that you go to for an hour a week where you attend service, and, you know, which consists of, you know, 30 minutes of teaching and maybe 30 minutes of singing and a few announcements. Um, but again, I, I would challenge, you know, would you find that in Scripture? Um, or is this a tradition that we've, we've created for ourselves, which, which isn't bad. There's nothing wrong with getting in a room and hearing the Word of God and singing with other believers. It's just in Scripture, you see that the church was meant to be so much more than that. And uh, this, is, this is what we were saved into. It was this body, it was this family where uh, we, we practiced the one another's and there was so much love uh, amidst this group of people that the world saw it as supernatural and were attracted to it. And it was something that we were, the church, as opposed to something did, which fortunately, I think particularly with, with a Western mindset uh, in our desire to try and bring a lot of the uh, uh, you know success stories and organization and things of this sort, uh, even to a degree business practices to the way we do church, that suddenly now uh, what we're doing as church today looks very little like the church that we saw modeled in the book of Acts or in the first century. Yeah, yeah, and I, I, I just wish people would get back to reading it. Um, I, I think most of us who study the Word of God on our own, we've lived with this tension of, of looking at what, what we see in Scripture and then comparing it to our daily experience and our experience in the Church, and there's such a chasm there, there's just such a gap, and we don't know how to reconcile it. And so it almost seems so extreme that we just kind of get paralyzed and go, oh, gosh, there's no way we could be like it was in the Scripture. So, um, you know, let's just make, uh, make do with what we have and come up with some tweaked version of that, rather than really believing and saying, you know, I don't see why it couldn't be that way. I, I don't see why we couldn't love each other and care for each other's physical needs the same way as they did back and to experience real, authentic relationship. Again, this getting back to this notion of church is not something that we do, but rather something that we are. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. When I first started a church, gosh, this was 20 years ago, um, I, I just went with the normal pattern, which was, you know, put together a service, get a bunch of people to show up, hire a youth pastor, a worship leader, and, uh, you know, the more people you get there and uh, the more people you get making decisions, the, the more successful you are. And honestly, I didn't even give a thought to making sure that people really loved each other and cared for one another. And I look back now, biblically, and go, how do you miss something that huge? I mean, that's the command that sums it all up, and yet I was so focused on just people and their individual relationships with God that I completely neglected 
their their love for one another. And sadly, sometimes I think in that large church environment, it's an easy one for us to to hide in or hide behind. And as a result, the, the kind of work that really needs to take place, not only in going deeper in our walk with Christ, that, that notion of iron sharpening iron, but then, too, that idea that we can kind of you know hide behind the mask of, of big church and doing church as opposed to being church. If you've just joined our conversation, we're visiting today with Francis Chan, founding pastor of Cornerstone Church of Simi Valley, currently planting a church right here in the San Francisco Bay Area. He's the author of a number of best-selling books, including Crazy Love, Forgotten God, and the new Basic Video series. More information, by the way, on the web at francischan.org. That's francischan.org. When we come back, answering the question, has the church then been paralyzed by good intentions? Our conversation with Francis Chan continues on this edition of Lifeline. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts along with our special guest today. He is Francis Chan, author of a number of best-selling books. You can get more information, by the way, on his ministry and this new basic video series that we've been discussing kind of around the periphery here today. Information on the web at francischan.org. That's francischan.org. Francis, just before the break, we were talking about this idea that sometimes, you know, we, we, we're more inclined to be waiting on God when, in fact, God in reality is waiting on us. And I'm wondering, too, if part of the problem here that so often uh, causes the, the, the church to be so emaciated spiritually is the fact that we, we tend to just want to pick and choose those things within Scripture that tend to be comfortable or tend to be exciting. For example, I think of Paul's observation. He talked about wanting to know Jesus Christ in the power of his resurrection and in the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, we think of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and what believer who, who truly loathes the Lord can't get excited about the amazing power of Jesus Christ overcoming death in the power of his resurrection. But suddenly then, when we move to the second part of that scripture, and we talk about knowing Jesus too in the fellowship of his sufferings, and people say, well, my goodness, he, he was forced to die on a cross. He suffered horribly. For our sake, well, I'm not so sure I want that. Yeah, I mean that, that's pretty typical. And the, the thing is, is we we have to all be honest and say, "Wow, that's that scares me." Um, there, there's a lot of things in Scripture uh, that are difficult, that are scary, things that are very uncomfortable to us. Suffering is certainly one of those. Rejection is certainly one of those, and. And for those reasons, we, we don't boldly proclaim this message because we don't want to be rejected. We don't want to suffer. Um, and that's, that's very normal. And we have to just, you know, speak openly about that and realize, look, even Peter and John, as, as, as uh, bold as they appear to be, um, that was largely because they would gather with the believers to pray for boldness. I mean, even when people were astonished by their boldness in Acts 4.13, you see them later in that chapter getting together with the believers and praying for more boldness. You see, you see the Apostle Paul even asking the Ephesians to pray for him that he might preach boldly. So obviously these are uh, people who struggled just like Timothy did, and Paul encouraged him 
to, to, to be courageous, that he wasn't given that spirit of fear. So as, as believers today, we just have to quit pretending that we're not afraid, um, and we have to stop making excuses for our actions. But we need to gather together and say, look, I'm afraid to share my faith. Pray for me. Hold me accountable on this. Help me to get through this because I don't want to be a coward. Learning to lose our life and in doing so uh, to save it. Spend a couple of minutes as our time begins to wind down today, Francis, and, and talk to us a bit about what exactly that means. You know, Jesus talks about how that in taking up our cross and following him, uh, we are going to be despised for his namesake. People will hate us for following him. But he reminds us that those who attempt to save their lives will lose it, and those that will lose their lives will save it. Yeah, that's the, that's the thing we have to remember in all of this, is that the, the, Christ is leading us to an abundant life. And all of this surrender and all these things we're afraid of, we are going to discover once we let those things go, that's when we're really going to find life. This is not about us, you know, so much sacrificing and being miserable for the sake of the gospel. There'll be times of that. But what Scripture teaches is, is when we let go and pursue that, even, even when we're afflicted, even when we're persecuted, we go away rejoicing. And, and I think most of us have experienced at least glimpses of that. Times when we've sacrificed something, times when we did something that scared us, and afterwards we had so much peace, so much confidence, so much joy. Those times when, yeah, initially it sounds far more appealing to go out and play golf, but we chose to go and serve and make disciples instead. And then afterwards, we are so grateful that we made that decision, and we go, wow, Lord, there's nowhere I'd rather be than serving you right here. And, and I really believe that's what Christ is alluding to, you know, is, is this idea of once you let go and lose um, your life, you're going to find something so much better, not just in the life to come, but I believe also while we're here on earth. We've covered a lot of territory in our brief conversation here today, Francis, and uh, you cover even more territory inside this basic video series. For folks uh, that are perhaps not familiar with what it is and what's contained in there, just a moment or two, if you would, give us some insights as to some of the issues that you cover and, and, and kind of go deep in in the basic series. Yeah, I, I first, uh, you know, talk about the fear of God because I I think that's the thing that is missing the most in our in our country, that people speak so casually about him. And in the second film, I talk about following Jesus and, and what that really means, because we've had this whole uh, notion of just receiving him into your heart and, and making it this, this type of vague um, understanding of what it means to be a Christian. And I just want to get back to, well, what does it literally mean to follow him? And then I talk about the Holy Spirit because I, I believe we've we've missed out um, on so much, uh, so much that is available to us. And the last four films are really about the church and about the the prayer, the the study of the word, the fellowship, the breaking of bread that we see in the early church, and and that I believe the Lord wants for us today. And uh, folks can get more information, I understand, on the series on your website at francischan.org? Yes, everything's there. Excellent. 
And again, uh, books too available. We've talked about some of his bestsellers, A Forgotten God and Crazy Love. And again, the new video series, Basic. Details, again, on the web at francischan.org. That's francischan.org. Well, Francis, it's a delight to visit with you today. Hope we have an opportunity to do it again soon. Thank you. Well, that's going to do it for this edition of Lifeline. Thanks so much for being with us. And if there was anything you heard on today's show that you'd like to hear again or share with a friend, grab a copy of the Lifeline podcast. Simply log on to kfax.com. That's kfax.com for the Lifeline podcast. Our producer is Wanda Sanchez. I'm Craig Roberts. Till next time round, remember, just don't keep the faith. Get out there and share it and make it a great evening. So long. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of KFAX. Copyright Salem Communications, all rights reserved. Thank you.